Hello and welcome to Counterthought, a podcast dedicated to my counterthoughts about mainstream media, politics, and culture, and the impact on our nation. I am your host, Brian Fletter. You can follow this podcast on its Facebook page, Counterthought Podcast, on Instagram at counter underscore thought, and on Twitter at counter underscore podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 23 of Counterthought, Faith, Fear, and Freedom. I'm very excited about this episode because in the spirit of Halloween, I have a treat for all of you. If you follow Counterthought on Instagram or Facebook, you already know, but for those of you that don't know, this episode features an interview with Jessica Dalton. Jessica, or Jess, and I, we have a substantive conversation about faith, fear, and freedom. But before I get to the interview, I want to set the table. Are you a slave to fear? Did that question just get your attention? Have you ever reflected on whether or not you are a slave to fear? And if you have, what did you learn? And if you haven't, you should. I'm sure the word slave is what got your attention. So let's define slave in this context. Slave is defined as a person entirely under the domination of some influence or person. And in this case, that influence is fear. So what do you fear and why? Well, in this episode, I'll be focusing on how Christianity overcomes fear and the freedom it creates. Also, we'll talk about ways in which we should defend our faith and use our faith to defend Christianity, which is under attack in the United States and also around the world. So as we come out of this pandemic and fight for Christianity in our country, did you by any chance happen to fear any of these things? Did you fear death? Your own? A family member? Others? Friends? Did you have a fear of offending someone when you speak biblical truth? It's said in Romans 8, 15 through 17, that fear gives you a spirit of slavery, but you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. You received the spirit of sonship that we are children of God. We should know who we are, and we should know that we are not a victim. So don't be a slave to fear. There is currently a popular worship song, you may have heard it, by Bethel Music, and the chorus goes like this. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Another one. Fear is a liar. That song is Zach Williams. And the chorus goes, Fear, he is a liar. He will take your breath, stop you in your steps. Fear, he is a liar. He will rob your rest, steal your happiness, cast your fear in the fire. Because fear, he is a liar. So what did fear rob you of during the pandemic? Did it rob you of time with family? Most likely. It robbed me of time with family, I know that, and with friends. And I live in Florida, as you know, and Florida has been one of the most open states in the whole country. But I can't imagine what it must have been like to be in New York, especially New York City, or California, like San Francisco, L.A., Illinois, Michigan, 
some serious lockdown states and not see friends and family for three, six, nine, twelve months? I mean, I can't imagine. So what did you fear during the pandemic and how is this fear keeping you from standing up for Christianity in the culture of our country? Again, what did fear rob you of during this pandemic? So now that we have identified our fears and we've exposed fear for what it is, again, it is a liar. And if we allow it, we will become a slave to fear. How do we overcome fear? We overcome fear with faith. Faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Lord of our life, or should be the Lord of our life. We can rest in God's peace. We don't have to fear death. We do not need to fear upsetting someone when we stand up for Christianity. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God gives you a spirit of power and self-control. We are able to control what we see and do to escape fear. 1 Peter 5, 6 through 7. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Cast all your anxieties upon him, for he cares about you. Psalm 56, 3 through 4. When I am afraid, I put my trust in God. The whole chapter of Psalm 23 starts out, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He gives me rest. He leads me to quiet silence. He refreshes my soul. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. In Joshua 1.9, Aiden, I'm thinking about you. Be strong and of good courage. Do not be frightened or dismayed. The Lord is with you wherever you go. Joshua 1.9 is actually up in the bedrooms of both my boys. Matthew 6.34 says, Do not be anxious about tomorrow, meaning take one day at a time. Isaiah 43.1, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. John 14.27, Peace I leave with you, peace I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Psalm ninety four nineteen, in that God consoles us with love. And then John 20, verse 19, peace be with you. Peace and overcoming fear is all throughout the Bible, all throughout Christianity. Now you can say that it is not in our nature as humans, sinful humans, to always remind ourselves of that. We don't always stay in just the moment of today. We always end up worrying about tomorrow or worrying about the past and how that is going to influence today or tomorrow. But we don't have to do that. We don't have to fear. Sure, there were things to fear rightfully probably during the pandemic. I know I feared some things. Fearing death, big one. It was something we never dealt with before. But now that we have an understanding of how COVID works, why are we fearing it anymore? Especially if you're healthy and part of the younger or more safe age groups. And outside of the pandemic, what are you fearing in your life that you should instead give control over to the Lord to give you peace, to comfort you, to take away your nervousness, your anxiety? So when we use faith and we reflect or meditate on those verses that I just read, to overcome our fears, what does that give us? That gives us freedom. Freedom from fear. And I don't just mean this in the biblical sense of our Christian faith. Yes, that is the primary focus of this this episode. But it gives us 
freedom in order to go and do the things in life that we are called to do. Freedom is a byproduct of faith, overcoming fear. Related to the pandemic, to be free now moving forward, you've hopefully conducted like a risk assessment. And then based on that risk assessment, you are living your life accordingly. You are going to live your life according to the risks that you are and are not willing to take. So why do we need freedom? Well, we already defined fear, and you can be a slave to fear, right? And uh, slavery was defined with a complete domination of your life by an influence. So we overcome the fear with faith, with strong Christian faith. Because, I don't know if you know this or not, but Satan is trying to destroy you. Satan is using every circumstance of your life to destroy you. However, God is using every circumstance to build you up. So what can you do? Well, first we can reject and dismantle the lies of Satan. And we can rely on God's wisdom, power, and goodness. Philippians 4, 6-7, through 7, this is my favorite verse. It's actually inscribed on the inside of my wedding ring. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then Isaiah 41.10 So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So when you are anxious and that fear is creeping in, call out to God. For God will comfort you, he will strengthen you, and he will guide you towards freedom from the anxiety, freedom from the fear. Now, stepping outside of just the realm of our faith, In our country today, there are freedom movements taking place all over America. You may have seen this on the news. More and more are happening at this moment because I believe more and more Americans are being, are tired of these COVID restrictions and the up and down nature of them and the illogicalness of them. So there are more and more freedom movements taking place across America. There are numerous grassroots efforts to take back or not give away our freedoms our personal freedoms. And one of the biggest battle states is California, where Gavin Newsom announced a vaccine mandate for children in order for the children to attend school, public school. This is a mandate that Newsom waited for, waited to announce until after the recall vote, which was a deliberate move to improve his chances to win the recall vote. Newsom knew the child vaccine mandate wasn't going to be received well by the citizens of California, so I believe he withheld it, because it didn't take any more than one day after that recall vote to announce this mandate. And this brings me to my guest, Jessica Dalton. It is an honor to have Jessica join me to discuss her faith in the freedom movement in California. Jess is a Christian, a wife, and a mother from San Diego. And she is a rising influencer on Instagram with a voice of the people. So Jess, welcome. Uh, That's one of the reasons I started following you. And I felt like I got in on the ground floor with you uh, before your incredible jump in followers. But before we get to that 
story because it is a story. Um, Jess, I want to first have you just share your pandemic experiences living in California. I'm here in Florida, you know, Orlando. So we have DeSantis and maybe a little bit more freedom, unfortunately, than California. But just want to hear uh, what you've experienced since March of 2020. And um, and yeah, just, just we'd love to hear what you've experienced and we'll go from there. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm, I'm a little nervous, very excited at the same time. Um, yeah, I, I'm obviously I'm in California and this was arguably probably one of the stricter states and, uh, it's been interesting. I think like everybody else in the very beginning, I was like, okay, we're going to take this seriously. It's going to be two weeks and it will be, it'll be fine. And, uh, yeah, it was like my whole, my whole world, I'm sure along with everybody else has completely changed. I was a full-time working mom. I was doing hair full-time and my kids were in public schools. And then we kind of had to shift to homeschool and, um, yeah, basically couldn't go anywhere without a mask. Um, it was definitely interesting. And I don't know about you, but I feel like pretty right away, it was like alarm bells started going off. Like this, something isn't right about all of this. Something is just, it's not okay. You know, I can't even go through Mm -hmm. the drive-through of a coffee shop and get a coffee without a mask on. It just seemed something wasn't adding up for me pretty right away. Um, I don't know if you felt like that at all, but yeah, it's definitely been an interesting journey. I'm, I'm sure everybody else is, was feeling the exact same way. Yeah, for, for me, it's been a learning process in, um, I guess, what what different levels of government are able to do. So, mm-hmm. you know, like here in Florida, DeSantis gets all the publicity. But I remember in the middle of the pandemic, going back to last year, um, you know, like the county governments where I lived here in Orlando, they, they could set their own orders. Um, and then like even on the county level, going down even smaller to like the municipality, the city level they could set their own um, requirements and enforcements and, and mandates and curfews and so on and so forth. So it was like a just getting thrown into the deep end of how, like who has the, I guess the legal right to do certain things. Um, but I right. felt like at least thankfully it started in March. So for me here by definitely by October, so like last year's Halloween, since we're quickly approaching Halloween, we mm-hmm. were, we were trick or treating last year. Um, I don't know if that was the case for you. I, I guess, what was it, what was it like at this time last year? And then when did you feel like it, it finally started to turn, or at least maybe for you and your family start to turn to where you're just saying, okay, like we're, we're done with this. We're going to go ahead and live our life and just, just do what we think we need to do or should be able to do based on like how we, how we um, assess COVID-19 and it's, it's danger to us if, if at all. Right. Um, you know, I'm trying to remember last Halloween, what I think actually my husband w- took the kids and went to the desert. So I think maybe I was home just kind of hanging with my mom that particular weekend. Um, but, you know, I, I do work at a small business in my, in my hometown here and, um, they're just like a mom and pop shop. They are a little local whiskey distillery. And um, it was devastating to see their business, you know, be so hurt by all of this. And, 
you know, that that's the American dream, right? We, we come here, start a business and to see that be shut down and see. So, I mean, we have a lot of small businesses where even though I'm in San Diego, I'm in a smaller part of San Diego and to see so many small businesses affected was, was really, really hard. And, um, yeah, I, luckily for me, I do live in a more conservative area. And so there was a lot of people that were like, no, we're opening back up. We had uh, one gym, gym owner here actually was like, no, we're not doing this. We're keeping our doors open. Um, and then eventually a couple of churches kind of followed suit and we're like, you know, we're, we don't care. We get fined. We're, we're going to keep the doors open. So it was really great mm-hmm. to finally see uh, people be like, Hey, we, we need, we can't, we can't live like this. You know, we have to survive. We have to go to work. We have to go to church. Our kids have to go to school. So it was, it was nice to be in an area where it was starting to see that, but to see so many people just really suffer through this was really heartbreaking. Yeah. It was, it was something to see the weight of the federal government and certain state and and more local governments, just like taking their weight and pushing down on, on the people of this country you know, limiting mm-hmm. what you, what you're able to do. Some of that, especially early on in the pandemic, like I understand because we were learning about what exactly COVID was and its capabilities right. and who it affected and all of that. But, but once we started to get an understanding of that, to, to continue to push down and keep everyone in their businesses and the churches uh, under, under the government's thumb was just hard mm-hmm. to see and incredible to mm-hmm. see. Um, Cause I mean, like, the precedent that it sets for something in the future, which one could argue might not even need a pandemic for mm-hmm. the government to say, Hey, like, I think we need to, you know, yeah, take, take control think, and do this, that, and the other thing. Right. I, I think for me, the hardest part about it was really seeing churches shut down nationwide. I, mm-hmm. I can't even begin to tell you how deeply that affected me because especially growing up in church, um, you know, I used to be a part of a worship team for many years up here. And there were so many times where I would stand on stage and sing these songs and look out and wonder, do people really know what they're singing? Do they really believe what they're singing? And I think Mm -hmm. 2020 ultimately brought people to face where, how deep really is my faith? Do I really believe that I'm no longer a slave to fear? Do I really believe that? Am I really going to hold God above all else, no matter what's going on in this, in this pandemic? I, I think it, I think it was Paul that said, uh, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Right. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty controversial statement, especially right. after 2020. Right. Am I, am I going to choose to live for Christ? And, yeah. and if I don't, and even if I don't, God said it's gain. I get to be with, you know, and like this fear of death, I think that people had to face in 2020 it brought a lot of people, I think, to, to their knees with their religion. Like, what, what do I really, do I really believe this? Right. So, yeah. yeah. And, and I know for, for my church here in Orlando, um, we, we were located closer to like the center of downtown. And then we mm-hmm. went through this whole fundraising campaign over the course, I think two years, got the funding, got our building, went through the construction opened our doors to the new facility January of, wow. 20, of 2020. And then two months later, wow, everything got shut down. Now, thankfully through faith, through the faith of our um, congregation and, and everything, we were able to, to have enough money to do like the online stream, online streaming and everything of the services. 
but the in-person, mm-hmm. but the in-person, you know, being with that fellowship, right. That's what we're called to be as Christians is, is in right. fellowship with one another. You know, that was difficult. Um, right. but thank, thankfully the leadership of my church here, mm-hmm. you know, once, once I guess we were able to open it up, they did thankfully, like they saw the importance and continued to see the importance of, of the church and the, your Christian family. Um, mm-hmm. but then I think of like the opposite end of the, of the spectrum and the stories you heard last year, you may have heard about them, but the story is taking place like up in, um, I think it was specifically Brooklyn, but somewhere up there in NYC where they're trying to shut down and this isn't, you know, um, a church, but like synagogues for the Jewish community up there and telling them like, no, you can't meet. And then I believe I heard a story of, um, a pastor located out there in California who basically is like was threatened to be fined $15,000 or something per day or per oh, service. Yes. Was it, and, uh, was it John MacArthur? I think so. Yeah. And, and he's just like, okay, like that's fine, but mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we're going to mm-hmm. do what we, we're going to do what we need to do and what we're called to do. Um, so I, yeah. I agree. Like it's, it's definitely an awakening, like, you know, you know a, a, a crossroads between, you know, are you going to really practice what you preach or in your example, sing, you mm. know, and, and grow your faith? Or are you going to become anxiety ridden and give into that fear and then become slave to that fear? Like you just mentioned, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. let, and keep allowing the government to do whatever they feel like they, whatever they say they need to do to quote unquote, protect you. Right. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I gotta say it's it's been um just to be completely transparent here, my quote unquote relationship with the church as far as the building uh has been a little bit shattered and it's something that I'm working out with the Lord, you know, through through all of this because it was really it was very hard for me. I mean, I think even right away I was like, wait we're shutting down our church mm-hmm. like that to me was such a blow. And I know I, I know. And I say this because I want to hopefully encourage somebody else out there. You're not alone in feeling like that. And it, it can feel very isolating. And, um, you know, the church is, is not a building. It's not. And believers, Sorry, I'm trying to figure out how to how to word this properly without coming off uh, the wrong way. I love right. the church that God. Uh, this a beautiful thing, like right, Christ died for the church. But I think our idea of church and this building and this we we have to get together every Sunday and we have to do it like this has. I don't know when I think about what did God mean when he when he meant the church, when he said, "Don't forsake the gathering of the saints," right? What, Mm -hmm. what is, does that mean that we meet every single Sunday? Is that what that means? Or does it mean we don't forsake the gathering of the saints? We, we come together as, you know, hopefully, sorry, I kind of want to get there, but um, yeah, it definitely, it, it, it shook me in what, what I had held on to so dearly for so long. I mean, my life, I was immersed in, in church. I mean, I was heavily involved. I sang almost every single Sunday and, um, to see this like fracture in it that I didn't really realize was there was very hard to see the elders say, no, no, we, we have to keep, we have to keep shut down. It's for your safety was 
very, very hard for me. And I know so many, I've talked to so many people who are like, I feel the exact same way, Jessica. So I know I'm not alone in feeling like that. And um, yeah, that doesn't have a bow to tie it up yet. Like I said, I'm still right. working, but. <laughs> well, that just means we'll have to have you back. And then whenever you can tie that one off, you can uh, let us know how it, how it turned out. Okay. Um, but, but that I'm glad you said that because that brings me to a post of yours from, from earlier today, actually, I think maybe just 30 minutes to an hour before, you know, we got this interview started mm-hmm. um, on your Instagram, which again, if you don't follow Jessica, please follow her Jessica Dalton on Instagram. Uh, but you posted this and it, uh, I believe you titled it or it's called the uh, Christians in the public square. Mm-hmm. A- and your post goes, I'm going to, I'm going to read, I think most of this in its entire, I'm going to read it in its entirety. So you said, I was doing some reading and praying this morning for an upcoming project. And I came across this beautiful article about Christian engagement in the public square. Here, a small piece of it, it goes, quote, I'm glad for instance, that men like William Wilberforce and Martin Luther King Jr. and Dietrich Bonhoeffer had a gospel big enough to demand justice for the innocents. To ignore injustice is to say the 19th century slave in America to the 20th century Jew in Germany to the 21st century unborn baby, quote, be warmed and filled, end quote. It's a diminished gospel, a lifeless faith. What our generation of evangelicals has to understand is that love of neighbor doesn't mean only the politically safe endeavors of charity that everyone affirms. It might also mean having the courage to get involved in the socio-political structures that either advance or hurt human flourishing. So can you just uh, expand on that a little bit? Um, you know, what, 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 maybe, maybe a little bit more of what that means and also how you're going to uh, continue with, you know, your Christianity in the public square. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, this is uh, an idea that I have wrestled with for many years now, right? Being a Christian holding God above all else. And we know that God is King, right? I don't know. Did you, did you grow up in church, Brian? I don't, I don't think we, we talked about that. I don't. I did. did uh, I grew up, I grew up in the Southern Baptist church in my hometown. Um, Was it, was involved all the way up through going to, to college. And then, you know, probably attended a church, probably attended church, maybe one tenth of the frequency as I did as a kid growing up. But yes, growing up from basically the day I was born, you know, went to a Southern Baptist church in my hometown and baptized there around age eight, uh, was active through throughout um, elementary, middle school, high school. So, so yes, I, I grew up in the church. Um, probably oh, shouldn't have been, ask- <laughs> probably shouldn't have probably. been as on fire as I should have been with all of that, uh, you know, being in, being in the Christian faith and everything, but but yes. So you have a little bit of the Christian lingo, maybe right. that you, okay. Well, test, so, test um, me, test me and I'll let you know. And if not, I might have to uh, cut this part out. So just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. So, just kidding. Go ahead. I've had a uh, uh, wrestling with how do I hold my faith above all else, but also be um, involved in politics and the public square. Right. And I don't know, Over the last, well, since kind of Trump came into office, I've noticed this theme amongst Christians where they say, um, no matter who is president, Jesus is king. Have you heard this? 
Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it, it sounds great, right? And, it, and it's totally true that no matter who is president, Jesus is king. But I think it falls a little flat in the sense that um, it's like, well, like that thing was saying, it's, it's very warm and fuzzy and it's like, well, Jesus is king. So everything is fine. And I'm glad that Martin Luther King didn't have that mentality. If he just told people who were um, slaves, Hey guys, listen, Jesus is king. So uh, we're not going to, we're not going to fight this fight because we just believe that God is good. And that that's it. And that's, do you feel this way at all? I feel like it's like there's no, it, that leaves almost no room for conversation and change, right? It's like, well, listen, Christians, Trump is a little too uh, controversial, so we can't talk about him. Or it's a little too controversial that Bi- that's to say that Biden's not doing a really good job right now. It's a little, and I, right. you know. It's, a, it's an easy out, right? It's Easy uh, out. And I want to give credit where credit is due because there are some amazing faith leaders rising up right now that really are not afraid to be speaking out about this stuff. And I'm just like, thank you, applauding, you know, from the sidelines that there are some really awesome faith leaders rising up. And I do think that God is raising up a new generation of leaders. I see it over and over and over again where, um, you know, we, I love what Allie Best Stucky said. I don't know if you listen to her, but she has a podcast called Relatable. Yep, I've and, I've just started listening to some of her some of her content. She says that, you know, the reason why we care about politics is because politics affects policy and policy affects people and people matter, right? And mm-hmm. that's why we care about politics and that's why believers care about politics and we get involved and we're in in the public square and we're saying, "Hey, what Biden is doing to the country right now is is not okay." Like What's going on at the border right now is not okay. I mean, look at um, like inflation right now. It's insane how much I think somebody posted the other day. There's a city in California where gas is seven fifty nine a a gallon. Man, <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, I think oftentimes if you look through history, it was Christians who were at the front of the lines saying we're going to stand for for what is right and. You know, oftentimes your theology affects your your politics, right? Where you line up in your theology is going to affect your affect your politics. So it is this balance of Trump is not an idol, politics are not an idol. Um, Christ is who we're worshiping, right? But also that God uses these people, and whether whether you love Trump or you hate Trump, you have to acknowledge the fact that. God used him, whether you like it or not. And God uses people throughout scripture all of the time who have horrible pasts. I mean, look, right. at, look at David, look at David, you know, when we think of David in the Bible. Do you think people would probably be praising David? I don't, oh, I don't think so. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I remember having that thought a lot um, during the, well, specifically about using imperfect people to, um, mm-hmm. you know, to accomplish, accomplished uh, God's goals and everything. I remember thinking that a lot whenever people would like Christians wouldn't really embrace, I guess, Trump or, or they wouldn't want to embrace the person, but maybe they would want to embrace some of his, his policies and things that he did. I'm Mm -hmm. like, do you, do you not understand like the entire, you know, all these examples within the old and new Testament of the people that God chose and equipped them because he was calling them for his service. Like none of these people, none of these people were perfect, you know? Um, And so, and, and there was a lot, unfortunately, there was a lot of these, 
really well-known popular Christian theologians like John Piper uh, and uh, Tim Keller who were vehemently against Trump. And I just, I, I remember just thinking, of course, there's a part of me that understands where that's coming from, right? That mm-hmm. yes, Trump could tweet some mean things. <laughs> right. Um, but look what look what I mean, look at the actions that Trump has taken. You know, like why why are we why are we not looking at like what he's done for the country that's good? He's done mm-hmm. so there and that's the thing too, I think as believers, like there, I think there's a lot of believers that think that there's this perfect politician out there and there's not, that doesn't exist. There is no perfect politician because people are not perfect. And, right. and we're, and we're told not to put our, our trust or our faith in man. Right. So. Right. Right. And yeah, I, I mean, I, I had, I remember at the peak of like, you know, 2016, I really was super, I was not part of the silent majority. I'll just say that. <laughs> <laughs> Always been pretty politics. And I just remember people telling me like, you're not a real Christian. How could you support Trump? And I just was like, wow, this is, um, yeah, it was pretty eye opening. So anyways, that was a long answer to your question. Well, I think you stole my notes. Um, oh, sorry. <laughs> well, well, because I was listening in preparation for this, this episode and also this interview within the episode, but I was listening to a couple of different podcasts, you know, about biblical fear, biblical freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, and I came across just a single pod, well, not a single, but one of the podcast episodes I came across featured, hopefully I'm pronouncing his last name, but uh, Tom Askell of Founder Ministries. Uh, it was on the Real Christianity podcast, but he, he was on there for maybe 10, 15 minutes talking with the host. And he talked about going on the offensive with the Christian faith. And a couple mm-hmm. of th- couple of th- things he said were was a one stand up for what God ordained us to do and what God has called us to do. He also said if the company like for example if the company you work for supports causes or ideologies that are not supported by Christianity look for ways to leave the company and join a company that shares the idea- ideologies of Christianity or try to find a way to maybe start your own company. Also uh, be prepared to stand firm when the fight comes to you. He referenced Psalm 120, which says that, um, you know, I am a man of peace, but when I speak, it is for war. And then w- when the truth, AKA God's word is attacked, you have the responsibility as a Christian to speak against it. Then not taking the easy out, not letting things slide just because you don't want to have a serious discussion or an argument but, you know, mm-hmm. we, and this is something that I'm working on for myself. I would, I don't know if I would call myself a people pleaser. There are definitely certain things where I'm just like, I'm not trying to please anyone, you know, it's just like yes. black and white for me and, and no gray kind of in certain circumstances. But I know for me personally, I need to work on um, being more, not offensive, but going on the offensive with, with my faith. And one way I, I know I need to work on that is arming myself and we're like, we're all called to arm ourselves with, with scripture, right. To mm-hmm. be able to, to be able to, to stand firm in, in your faith in the Lord. We're fighting for our culture here in America. Like there might be an uprising. It feels like of the younger generation, but mm-hmm. you know, there are 335 million people in the United States and that doesn't even include the billions across 
the world that can influence us here in the United States. So, you know, the Christianity is under attack, right? You hear all the time is the mm-hmm. most, the most persecuted of all religions across the world. And, and what are we yeah. doing to fight for it? Right. And I think, you know, just to piggyback off of what you were saying that, um, about being a people pleaser, I think sometimes Christians can fall into this category of, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to upset anybody. Right. Like I'm, I'm supposed to love thy neighbor. And I mean, if we think about the Bible and Jesus, Jesus said some pretty offensive things. <laughs> I think he called seasoned, the seasoned with salt, right? So <laughs> yeah. I like, well, the religious leaders of his day, uh, br- you brood of vipers. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know, ooh, but that's pretty offensive and pretty divisive when you think about it, right? The, I mean, these men, these religious, the Pharisees were, I mean, that's like the hierarchy, right? Like, and he just was like, you're a bunch of, you're a bunch of snakes is essentially what he said. <laughs> yeah, right. Granted, Jesus is Jesus. So he, he's allowed to say that. And so I do think that there, there is a way to come at it with, um, grace and humility. Right. But also to be unafraid. Are people going to be offended? Probably. Mm -hmm. It is what it is. You know, I can't, I can't control somebody's, um, reaction. I can only control my response to their, to that reaction. And, um, yeah, I've definitely lost friends, uh, followers, family members over the years for being vocal about politics. And then again, I've had some come back around and say, wow, I wish I would have listened, you know, like, (laughs) right. Yeah. I regret voting for Biden. (laughs) Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a, uh, that's my real project actually that I'm working on, but, uh, is it, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that one more offline. <laughs> oh, I'm- um, but no, that was that's perfect because you know we you know we're just talking about the Christian faith and then and getting right there at the end of what you were saying into politics. So, so Jess, what can you tell me about how your faith is influencing uh, your political involvement um, there in California or more specifically in San Diego, and then also your involvement to your audience on Instagram. Yeah. So I think, you know, it kind of, my, it's funny, my Instagram kind of started out like it was my personal page, you know, it was just my personal page where I would post my family and then, um, more towards probably like 2020 is when I started really posting stuff and it just kind of grew, well, it grew organically. And then, so I think part of my involvement here locally, I really want to get more involved in our local school board. The school, the public school is uh, such a big deal. I know a lot of people say, well, you should just pull your kids out in homeschool. And that's great. I think if you can do that, you definitely should. But the reality is, especially here in California, not everybody can do that because most people mm-hmm. here in California, we need a two income household just to live, just to survive out here because it's so expensive. And so to think that just the majority of people can homeschool is it's wishful thinking in in my mind, you know, now, if I, if I have to, will I? Yes, I absolutely. If I have to, I think that, um, you know, there is a point in time where we have to make a sacrifice, but while I can, I want to continue to fight 
for the public schools um, and be involved. I've been thinking, just lightly thinking about running for uh, a public school board member position. I don't know. We'll see. I'm still is this breaking? Of- is this breaking news? <laughs> you know, I. I need to look into it a little bit further because I think that there's only one open space in 2022. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I haven't fully considered that, but uh, it's a thought. But just mostly be being involved, and I, I don't know if you heard that California we had a statewide walkout, um, not this Monday, but the Monday before last, we had a statewide walkout. And the reported numbers were about 36% of students didn't show up, but I actually think it was more than that. (laughs) So yeah, just getting involved in your community where you can, uh, I think is really important. And for that, for that walkout, you kept, you keep, you kept each one of your, your kids out. And I know, I think they span from between elementary and maybe high school, but kept all, Mm -hmm. all three of them home. I did. I kept all three of them home and I, I let them know like, Hey, this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. And this is the importance of it. And, you know, there comes a point in time where you have to stand for what you believe is right. You know, and I had that conversation, uh, obviously differently because there's age gaps between them all, but, um, yeah, we all stayed home and, and I actually let people know, I was like, you know, we need to call, we need to let these schools know this is what we are doing and this is why we are doing it. They, I mean, I mean, they know, do you know what I'm saying? But we need to let them know like, Hey, I'm not okay with this. I am the parent. And ultimately I have the say at the end of the day. Right. And what, what was I trying to say? Pull the, uh, like pulling the rug out from under the people or the bait and switch. What the bait and switch that Newsom did going back (laughs) to the, the recall election. What was it like a day or two after he he won the recall election and you know remains as governor? He announces the the, man- ma- the mandate for vaccinations for going all the way what down through elementary school kids. Yeah, yeah. I um I'm interested. I really am interested to see how that's going to play out, um, especially here in California because I think there is way more parents than then the media is willing to admit that do not want these mandates. We, I mean, I don't know about your kids or your kids are old enough to be in school yet, but we, we still have masks on kids here in California, which is just insanity. But um, yeah. So I'm interested to see how, how that will play out. I mean, we knew that was going to happen. We were, Newsom was just waiting for this to mandate it all. We all knew it was coming, but yeah. Yeah. yeah my kids, thankfully, are too young to severely be affected by COVID. Uh, not only oh. the not only the disease itself, but also from the different restrictions and everything going on. But that's uh that's one of the reasons why you know I wanted to hear from you, and then also just following following others and hearing and seeing the different stories of of what exactly is going on around the country. Because as we talked about, you know, at the start of the interview, there is just such a difference between what the federal government can do, what you, individual state governments can do. And what mm-hmm. like your what your city and county governments can do as well. And for me, it's my pandemic experience is completely different from you know someone else's, just like in general, but like basically to the point of you know opposite ends of of the spectrum. So my kids haven't had to wear masks at their their daycares. They're like at an in home daycare, um, but I can't. I mean, 
they wear masks whenever we had to wear them going into the stores and you know they just get like soaking wet from their spit when they're talking or oh. just having it's, it's like disgusting you know um but to expect so- little kids to keep that on I, I would not want to be a teacher trying to do that um and it just seems like a lose-lose situation that that uh, these states and cities are putting their their teachers into to try to enforce things like that it's so funny that you say that about the masks because my youngest he's in third grade and when i pick him up from school that thing is sopping wet sorry if that's tmi but i'm like no it's gross i'm like and then there's been a couple of times you know where i he has his masks that i give him to take to school because you know he's smaller he's in third grade and every now and then there's been that morning where i'm like oh my gosh we forgot the mask you know and so the school will give them one and these masks that they give these elementary, they don't even fit their face. They're huge. And I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. It's, it really is political theater with the, with the masks at this point. And uh, my oldest son, actually, he says he's in high school and he was like, some of my teachers don't even care and some of them do. And so it's just, you know, it's unfortunate that we have to abide by this for now. I'm hoping that it will end soon, but, um, I just refuse to give up on, on the public school system just yet. You know, I think, especially where I live for me personally, I know there's just some really good teachers here and that, you know, have been in our community for years that love their students. Um, I know that's not the case for everybody, but um, yeah, that's where we are with it. Yeah. The focus on the school systems, like the national stories that, that have been going on. My mom was a a school teacher. She retired, um, last last year last last school year in, in 2020 2021 school year and mm-hmm. i know she, she was not part of a union or anything like that so i feel i do feel bad like you were just kind of alluding to for the teachers who who do care and who not who are not part of these unions like the top two unions around the the country that are getting but they're just still getting thrown in with you know with just teachers unions as a whole and you know it's not fair to them i was i grew up in going to public school um, public school for elementary, middle, high school, and even college. The college I went to, you know, was a a public school, so I I think I turned mm-hmm. out okay. Um, right. Yeah, I don't. And right now, our plan is to have my wife and I's plan is to send our kids to public school, and unless you know that changes, but yeah, I don't want to give up on the public school system just yet because there are truly great teachers out there that are getting a bad rap just because of the larger narrative going on with the teachers unions. Well, and I think too, um, it's so important to have open communication with your kids, right? Especially my older two boys. He tells me all the time, like, oh, this teacher talked about the, you know, was talking about getting the shot um, and to have conversations with them about those things. I don't think it's, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about indoctrination in our children right now. And I, and I understand there's, I understand part of it, but it's also your job as a parent to have those open conversations with your kids, um, and steer them in the right direction, right. To let them think critically about things and steer them in the right direction. Like, well, what do you believe? You know, how do you feel about that? And I think my oldest son is I'm having the most conversations with uh, right now because he's such a unique age group. I think, you know, where, he's, he's a freshman. And so he got to go through public school years for so long, so normally. And now he's like, what, what's going on mom. And so we have conversations all the time about that. And so I do think it is, uh, it is your responsibility as a parent to, um, steer them in the right direction when it comes to political thoughts and medical decisions and, you know, 
right yeah and you're in, <clears throat> bringing them up in the, in the faith and everything else uh you know mm-hmm. our responsibility is as parents so much so much of what we're experiencing today we coming down from the different levels of government we still need to remain active um as parents in, in our kids lives right so Jess, I am, again, as I started off, I am super honored to have you as a guest on my podcast. I feel like I got in on the ground floor with you and yeah. you do a great job on Instagram communicating and being responsive, you know, as, as I'm getting started out in this whole political movement, you know, fighting for the freedom of our country and, and fighting for the, indivi- the individuals of our country. I find that most of the people who have any kind of significant following don't even respond. Right. But you, yeah. you, you do respond. So I think you need to like an award, I try. an award for that. And I can't imagine, I don't know how you do that because <laughs> for those of y'all who do not know, if you haven't already stalked or done a deep dive into Jess's Instagram, just listening to this podcast episode, uh, Jess didn't always have a significant following until a certain event happened about what, one week ago, two weeks ago? Yeah, but probably almost two weeks ago now. Yeah. So what happened? Yeah. So I, I had done a reel and, um, Madison Cawthorn, he shared my video on his Instagram story and sent me a message. Um, and I was just blown away. He is you know, the kindest guy. Um, I really think he is the real deal. And, um, yeah, it just kind of, it had kind of started growing a little bit organically before then, but Madison Cawthorn definitely gave me the push um, to have that happen. And it was just really neat. And I was really humbled. Honestly, I was just very, I was very shocked. I think you make these videos and you you don't think like, oh, nobody's really going to see that. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, much less the United States <laughs> representative, right? <laughs> right, right. I was like, oh, nobody's nobody of importance is going to see that. But I really did think the message of the song, it, it was a reel that he shared of mine, um, was so great. And I think me and you were talking earlier before the before we recorded that you really only have a short amount of time to capture somebody's attention, especially on social media. And uh, I've tried to, I guess, for lack of a better word, capitalize on that, right? With, with reels is you have this short amount of time to capture somebody's attention and get a, a, a message across. And um, I think that that song did that really well. And yeah, it's, it's, I, I think I told you too, it's 95% exciting and 5% overwhelming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And if I remember if I remember correctly, I think you even shared like a screenshot of, of representative Cawthorn's message to you, like basically saying, I hope this was okay. Right. <laughs> which yeah, I'm sure, no, totally. which I'm sure your phone was already starting to blow up and it's like, uh, I guess it has to be right. So, yeah. Um, you know, okay. So funny story. So I was at actually a Halloween party of my friends. Um, and she has a couple of friends who are Democrats. Right. And so we've kind of just always had this agreement where we don't really, bring it up at parties, mostly probably for me, because I, be, I can become a little bit passionate <laughs> and I totally honor and respect that. I mean, we're at a Halloween party. I'm not here to like shove politics or religion down anybody's throat at a Halloween party. You know what I mean? Right. And so my cousin actually called me and she was like, cousin, Madison Cawthorn shared your video. And I lost my damn mind at this party. <laughs> I was so excited. Um, 
because how I mean, how cool is that? That a like you said, a uh, political senator sees your video and shares it on his story. It was just, it was really neat. Nobody at the party cared <laughs> except me. <laughs> hey, well, now there are about ten thousand other people that care too. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna have to start uh, referring to to Representative Cawthorn as Kingmaker Cawthorn. If, right. Uh, if, if, if the way you keep trending keeps on going. Um, <laughs> but Jess, thank you so much for, for joining me. Thank you. Uh, a great conversation uh, for everyone listening. Please find Jessica Dalton on Instagram. Uh, I will also put her Instagram handle in the, the notes or the summarization of, of this episode. So please find her. She's a great follow. And Jess, I look forward to, to following you. you. You create great content and also looking forward to seeing what exactly you continue to do in your faith and using that through your, your political and, and local action out there in San Diego. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it was awesome. I am very humbled that you wanted me to come on your podcast and yeah, thank you so much. All right. You're welcome. Thanks, Jess. We'll talk soon. So how do we protect and grow Christianity in our country? How do we do that simultaneously? I believe one of the key ways is to go on the offensive with the Christian faith. This is what Tom Askell of Founder Ministries said on the Real Christianity podcast that I listened to in preparation for this episode. He believes we need to go on the offensive with our Christian faith. Now, that's not saying to be offensive, but to go on the offensive, on offense. We need to stand up for what God ordained us to do and what God has called us to do. If the company you work for supports causes or ideologies not supported by Christianity, then look for ways to leave the company or join a company that shares the ideologies of Christianity or start your own. Maybe simpler said than done, but look for ways to move away from situations that are not that you do not agree with, ideologies that you do not agree with. Also, be prepared to stand firm when the fight comes to you. Tom Askell referenced Psalm 120, which says, I'm a man of peace, but when I speak, it is for war. And I mentioned that in my interview with Jess. And when the truth, God's word, is attacked, we as Christians have the responsibility to speak against it. Don't sit idly by and let it slide because you are afraid of a difficult conversation or because you are just afraid of rebuking someone and the response that you may get back. We are to arm ourselves with God's word, with scripture. Use that to fight for Christianity and for the soul of our nation. You heard Jess and I talk about it in the interview. Do not be a soft Christian. That doesn't mean be offensive But we are called, when necessary, to use the word of God and be seasoned with salt. Also, while being on the offensive with our Christian faith, we also need to remember to pray for our persecutors. Pray for their hearts. Pray for their minds. Pray that those will turn over and be given to Jesus Christ. So I'll end with this. Remember, you are a child of God. You are no longer a slave to fear. Overcome fear with faith and be free. 
then use that same faith to fight for the soul of our country. Because Lord knows we need it. All right, that's it for this episode. Remember to subscribe and engage with me on Instagram at counter underscore thought, on Twitter at counter underscore podcast, and on the Counterthought Podcast page on Facebook. Thank you for listening to Counterthought.